please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 73. Before, before we get to Psalm 73, I want to create a little foundation for the text today while you're turning there. Um, uh, good to see you, uh, Mr. and Ms. Walters. Okay. Um, um, you say a missionary to Alaska. And again, you've, if you haven't been here in an evening service to hear them present their ministry, I just want you to know it's, it's not what you think. There are a lot of big cities up there. A lot of people go salmon fishing and all. They have a good time. Some people go up there to escape from the law because it's such a big place. Um, um, but there are so many remote places where there's little bitty churches where sometimes they don't even have a pastor or the pastors alone and can get discouraged. They go into these areas and they help the people. His wife works with the children's ministry. It's like a breath of fresh air for them to come into a little community that you can only get through to with a, a plane or something. It's just very basic living. Um, uh, but so pray for them. They, they certainly meet a need and a, a burden that God has placed on their heart to help these little towns and these little villages. He's very good at fixing things, making things out of almost nothing. So pray for them. I'm glad they're with us here today. Uh, if you guys would throw that, that, that uh, uh, picture up there, the, uh, the temple. This is the temple that Solomon built, that God commissioned, called for Solomon to, uh, to build. And again, a lot, we live in an age where uh, a lot of people don't know the Word of God. Matter of fact, yesterday at the, at the, at the uh, funeral, I just start in Genesis 1-1, how God created us. Genesis 2, how he created us and made us a living soul. We are eternal beings created after his image. In chapter 3, God's fellowshipping. A lot of people don't even understand those basics of where we came from and what the Bible even says, even a lot of Christians. But if you go back 4,000 years before today, 2,000 years before Christ, there was a man named Abraham that God called. He said, I'm going to make you the father of the nation of Israel. He says it's not a big deal if you don't know anything about Israel, but Israel, the Bible you hold in your hand this morning is through those people. God used those people to deliver his word to us. Through those people, he brought his son, Christ, in the world to die on the cross of Calvary. So it's a big deal. But, in, but uh, this is 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. This was God's plan. You call it prophecy. There's no book in the world like the Bible because of many things, but because of prophecy, hundreds of them, specific times and specific things that were going to take place that have come to pass, and everybody just ignores them. Even if they know about them, they ignore them. So 500 years later, they're in Egypt. They're slaves. God sent Moses to deliver them. He says, I'm ready. God says, I'm ready to bring my people into the land of Israel and make them a great nation, just like I said was going to happen. It's a simple story. Moses gets them. They're not an army. They're a bunch of slaves. But they go through the nation of Israel, that land there, and they conquer systematically all these great people. You've you got to explain these things. But when they finally become this, this pinnacle of a nation, it was first, Saul was their first king, David was the second king, Solomon was the third king, David's son, and he's the one that God said, I want you to build this edifice. See the doors of that temple? The doors of that temple right there, that, that holy place, the holy of holies, those doors were as tall as the ceiling in this building right here. It took several men to open. I, for years, I heard about the temple in the Bible. I never, I never realized what it was. 
It's an incredible. People came from all over the world to see how God had blessed. David, even though he couldn't build the temple, God said, I'm going to let your son build it. God, David was able to choose the people that would worship God. Before this, they had a tent that they set up to worship God. I don't have time to explain all of it, but it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, I don't know if I told you guys to put that on the screen or not, it says this, So they brought forth the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. They worshipped in a tent. It goes on in verse 4, And he appointed certain Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. And in verse 5 it says, Asaph was the chief. I'm going to talk about Asaph this morning. In, second, in first Chronicles, or Second Chronicles chapter uh, 5, it goes on and talks a little bit more about Asaph. And you need to know who Asaph is. He's chosen by David. He's a Levite. And they worship and serve the priests and they serve God. He was a musician is what he did. But he was more than that. In chapter 5, it says... They had built that temple. Go and throw that temple up there one more time. Now Solomon is the king. He's built the temple. They are sacrificing. All of Israel has been called this day to, to honor God because this is where they're going to worship God. It's the craziest thing. I'm going to get off track here. Amen. You can go to most, most people's temples, and there's their idols to their gods, their Buddhas, whatever. When you went inside this building right here, you walked in, and it was just empty. There was the ark where they brought the innocent blood of an innocent lamb, which was a picture of Jesus Christ who had died on the cross of Calvary. There were no idols. There was nothing in there. It's just a place where God met. Met these people right here. This day was an incredible day where they sacrificed. The people came. It says um, in verse 6, and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel were assembled. Verse 7, And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place. And in verse 12, it says, Also the Levites, which, which were the singers, and all them of Asaph. So he's appointed Asaph by David the king. His son, he's the, he's the chief guy. He's the one, they, 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 they create all the music. Some people walked in late this morning. I said, what? You got here late. You didn't hear the singing. Man, it just creates a spirit in your heart, does it not? The Word of God's the key. But even our songs are about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Ha! If you know your Bible, you get excited because the Bible says, one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. All the kindreds and all the nations, even those who have rejected him, will have to say we were wrong. He is Lord of all. He is the creator of all things. And then finally in 2 Chronicles, hope I'm not losing you already, but if I don't tell you who Asaph is, you're going to go, what? What's, whoa, who's Asaph? 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Now we're looking, here's David who appoints him and his, his family Here's Solomon who builds a temple. You go almost 300 years in the future, and Israel has become a stinking mess. They've turned their back. He has exalted them in all the world. They built this temple to him, and now the kings, the political power of that day, have left him out of the argument. I'm telling you, there are parallels here in America. 
We talk politics, we talk about, but God's never in the conversation. This ain't even in my notes, okay? This is just talking stuff here. 300 years later, you have a king. You have all these sorry kings who do not acknowledge God and what he's done for them. And then, boom, this young man named Hezekiah. King Hezekiah says, you know what? I'm going to restore. I'm going to fix things the way they're supposed to be. I'm going to get things right in the church is what he says. And in verse chapter 29, in verse 30, it says, Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites, there they are again, to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David, watch this, and of Asaph the seer. What does that mean, pastor? That means Asaph was like a prophet. There are 12, there are 12 psalms that are ascribed to Asaph in the word of God. Many of them have to do with future judgment that will come against Israel. He was not just a singer. He was just not a Levite. God used him to tell what was going to happen in the future. He was part of those hundreds of prophecies that would take place. Now turn to Psalm 73. If you got that, you got a chance this morning. Amen? But the Bible says all the Bible's worth reading. I'm telling you what. I've told you before in my life, the book of Job. I sort of neglected the book of Job. You ever, ever had a book that you avoided? Yeah. yeah, okay. Would you confess your sins to us right now? Okay, okay. <laughs> Mine was Job. But you know what? The day I studied Job is when the day the Bible came together for me. And all those questions, I avoided. It's just a hard book to read. All those questions were answered that day. Are you avoiding reading the Word of God? Get your nose in the Word of God, and you'll understand. You'll have a lot of questions answered. It says in verse 1 of Psalm 73, this is a psalm of God through Asaph to us today. 3,500, maybe 3,000 years written ago. <clears throat> Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me... My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Let's pray. Father, pray you bless today. And dear God, I, I think we have a chance today when we realize how inadequate we are without you. We're absolutely nothing. But with you, we have so much hope. We have so much potential, dear God. I pray for the people that are here today, the folks that are watching at home, dear Lord. Bless their dear hearts for being here, for watching, for entering into the service. And there's always the chance, because I've been there, that we come to church and we just we, our mind is somewhere else and there's no profit for being in the house of God. Dear God, I pray you draw every mind and heart to your word for just a few minutes. May you help us, dear God. There are people hurting. There are people that are far from you, and they don't even know they're far from you. Oh, dear God, may your spirit speak to us like he spoke to Asaph. In Jesus' name, amen. When I preach, I can't help it, I preach and teach things that I had trouble with when I was growing up. I've told you many times I struggled with science and the Word of God, history and the Word of God, prophecy and the Word of God, all these different things. I was so confused. 
Much of my teaching and preaching has to do with those things that synchronize history and the sciences with the Word of God. Because until I got it right up in here, it couldn't get to my heart. Until all those questions were, were answered in my mind, I couldn't wholeheartedly give myself to God. All those lies, all those mistruths that were given to me going to school and from other people, all the attacks against the Word of God, I needed them answered. And they got answered. I was able to give my heart to God. Um, those are factual things. This is a factual book. Anytime, any place, with anyone that's once asked me the questions, why I believe what I believe. But there's even a bigger problem than that. There are people like Asaph, who is a seer, the Bible says. God using even him to deliver prophetical things to us, things into the future. But I'm telling you, David, Saul, Solomon, Asaph, they were just mere men. There was nothing special about them. Matter of fact, if you looked into each of their lives, you'd see the great deeds that God used them to do, and you would see their great failures. You would see their sinful nature too. Anything that we are that's good in us is from God himself. Asaph says here, divinely inspired, he's inspired, he says, truly God is good. I like that. He's good. All, over and over again, I tell people to focus on all the good things that God has handed you in your life. But there's something about our sin nature, we want to focus on all those things that are bad all those things that are evil. The good things that God has given me are much more and much greater than the things over here that have gone wrong in my life. And most of them are my fault. I, I didn't realize whoever did the announcements and everything took up a lot of my time, amen? <laughs> truly, truthfully, God is good. Anytime, anywhere, any place. If you want to debate that with me, you come sit with me. And we'll get that straightened out in about five minutes, amen. I'll, we'll look at all the hard things in your life and my life, and then we'll look who we are in Christ, what God has done for us, and we'll walk away shamed of ourselves. Truly is God is good, he says to Israel. And boy, God was good to Israel. It's amazing that they would ever turn their backs upon him, but that's the sin nature of man. It's amazing. God can be so good to us that we turn our backs upon him. Look at this. I like this second phrase in there. He says, even to such as are of a clean heart. I don't have to be a Jew to have the blessing of God upon my life, to have the goodness of God upon my life. God, you know, I like that word heart because all God wants is our hearts. If we'll give him our heart, he'll take care of all the other things in our lives. He'll fix all of the other maladies in our lives if we will give our hearts to him. He says, God's good. He says, God is so good. And boy, is he so right. He saw the day they walked in the temple. <laughs> what a day that was, man. If you go back and read in Kings and Chronicles, what happened that day? You go, whoa. It wasn't even a day. It was days of worshiping and praising, and sacrificing, and rejoicing that God had done all these good things to them. But in verse 2, look at the verse word. It says, but. 
That word, but there, connects the first phrase that God's so good to a phrase that's going to be contrary. Why would you ever be contrary when God's so good? You know, I know what I know about Asaph. He's just like me. God is so good, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Here is a discouraged man. Even though God is so great, even though God is so good, here is a discouraged man that God has used in the temple service. He is the chief of those leading the music and praising and worshiping God. When they went in the temple, David said, read this psalm, Asaph. He was the man. But now something's happened in his life. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. See, in my life, <clears throat> I needed desperately to understand why I believe God was the creator, why Jesus was the savior. I needed history and science and prophecy and sociology and every other ology to answer all those lies that had been given to me. But then there came a point in my life. God's great. I believe all that stuff. But man, my life is so hard. And I was like Asaph, but. You're great, God. I got all the answers now, but. A lot of whys with that. Why, God, are you letting this happen in my life? I remember the day that I said to God, I sat at my desk, I said, I believe in you, I love you, I know you saved me. But I so despondent, I said to God, I'm not going to serve you anymore. I served you for 30 years, but I'm not going to do this anymore. I remember, and God was patient with me, amen. Doesn't the Bible say that he is long-suffering? Thank God he's long-suffering. He'd have killed me that day. But he understands, he understands our frailties. There's so many times in my life, I, I, I remember serving God, but I would serve God out of, out of obedience, out of obligation, but I would not serve God with joy. Thank God he got me past that stage in my life because it stinks serving God without joy, realizing that he takes us through seasons, he lets us go through seasons of our lives to prepare us for something greater in our lives. Just telling you. I'm just like Asaph. Could it be that a couple of you out there are just like Asaph? All oh, those Christians, they're all hypocrites. You know, people outside the church aren't the only ones that say that. There's people inside the church that say that too. Oh, I, I don't understand. See, God, God never in his word tries to cover up the inadequacy and the sinfulness of even the people that he used. I don't have, to, I don't have time to tell you the failures of Saul, who God used. I don't have time to tell you the, the failures of the second king, David, who he used. I don't have time to tell you the failures of Solomon, who built this temple. God never tries to cover that up in his word. Can I say this to you, dude? Where, it, where in God's word that when we trust Christ as our Savior, does God say our lives are going to be perfect from that day forward? There's churches out there that say it, but they don't have a scripture for it. The Bible says we'll be persecuted. I have to fight my own sinful flesh the day I got trusted Christ. I have people who don't like me because I've trusted Christ. I have the philosophy of this world coming against me. It's incredible. 
And we get this way. We get like Asaph. Look what, what made him this way. Look at verse 3. He says, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Have you noticed any wicked people who even mock the name of God? Say, where is he? Do you see people like that who prosper? And here you are trying to live a good, moral, Christian life. It seems like everything's going wrong for you, and the wicked are prospering. You know what his problem was? He didn't look at things in the light of eternity. On this earth, in this world, the wicked will have their time. Now, I could take you through Scripture after Scripture. Remember a fellow in the New Testament named Lazarus? He sat at the feet of the table, and they gave him the scraps. But when he faced God after death, he was exalted. And that rich man, the Bible says, lifted his eyes up in hell. The Bible, you know what the problem is? Why we get in this state of mind like Asaph? Because we don't read the Scriptures. We don't realize that after this, when we step out of this life into the next life, that's where it's good, baby. Thank God that he wouldn't even use us in this lifetime. Look a little bit real quickly. Look at verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. Talking about the wicked, how they prosper. Verse 5, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plague like other men. It seemed like the guy that does wrong, the people that do wrong, they live, they have wealth, they have all these things, and we're trying to live for, he's just like us. Their pride compasses them as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Look down, look at verse, uh, look at verse 11. It says, and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? It seems like people who question God have more power and have more authority than those who are believers. You know why our country is suffering? Because the righteous are not in power right now. It's the Word of God. The nation that exalts God will be blessed. And we're quickly becoming a nation that does not exalt God. I looked at the scripture and I go, wow, I think this is a lot of us here. We get discouraged in our lives because we look through these eyes and through the eyes of God through eternity. What will be to rule and reign with him, be called his friend and become halt his child. I'm hurrying along here, look in verse 13, because I know you'll go home. I know this is good. I know you'll go home and read this. If you don't go home and read this, we deserve everything we get. All I can do is whet your appetite. Are you hearing that maybe I should go home and study the Word of God and many of my questions will be answered? All the struggles I had, maybe you'll read the book of Job. Maybe you'll read this. Listen, Psalms. Psalms was another one. Ah, Psalms is just a bunch of poems, a bunch of pretty little things. Oh, there's so much information in the Word of God. Prophecies, all kinds of things. Here's a guy who went through it before me. 3,000 years ago, all I had to do was read it, and I'd been ready when it happened to me. I would have had understanding before I got there. Look at, verse, look at verse 13. Look at this. He says, verily. What is the first word in this psalm? Truly. You know what verily means? Truly. That's what it means. He says, truly. Look what he's, this guy's depressed. You ever been depressed? Don't raise your hand, Okay. 
I have cleansed my heart in vain. Do you remember the day that you asked Jesus to forgive you and be your Savior? You didn't do that in vain. Since the day I asked Christ to save me in that field, it wasn't in vain. Because he forgave me of all my sins. What Jesus did on the cross covered my sins. God no longer sees me as a sinner because Jesus died in my place and for my sins. I have the blood of Christ that cleanseth, us, the Bible says, from all my sins. Do you have that today? Have you ever confessed to God that you're a sinner and asked his dear son to forgive you and save you? God, help these four poor folks who are going to churches, who are taught from ignorant or intentionally lying people that their sins get washed away in a baptistry. We're going to baptize next week. But those young people, they're already saved. They're already forgiven because they prayed and confessed their sin to God and asked Christ, his son, to forgive them. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is made. The Bible says, Give God your heart. He'll take care of the rest. He'll help you and me. He's been putting up with me and helping me for years. He says, look at this, truly I have cleansed my heart in vain. No, he hadn't. These are the words of a depressed man. This is a preacher sitting there saying, I've served you 30 years, God, but I'm not going to serve you no more. This is a guy saying, uh, I'm going to serve you out of obedience because I'm supposed to, but I ain't going to be happy about it. That's all this is. And I imagine you could get up here and give a testimony too about this. Look at this, in vain, he says. And he goes on and says, and washed my hands in innocency. I've given my heart to you, God. I've tried to live a pure life with my hands and not be a sinner. And what's the use? You know what his problem is? He looked at everything in this carnal, temporary world instead of it forever. One day the Bible says that God is going to fix this earth. He's going to purge it with fire. He's going to get rid of all that sin. He's going to give me a new body that's not tainted with sin. I'm going to want to do right. The struggle to do right won't be there anymore. The temptation to do wrong won't be there anymore. And we will look at life that way. Quit looking at your failures. Quit looking at all the things that the world dangled out there for you. Well, I didn't get to do that. I didn't get there. Forget that garbage, man. He says, for all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. He's a discouraged man. You want the answer? Look in verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Can I ask you to do one? Could you turn back to uh, Chronicles for me, chapter 5, real quick? I'm almost done here. Seems a little, a little warm up here. I feel a little warm. If you're moving around, you might be warm too, amen? If you're preaching this, you might be warm too, amen? I wonder how many of you out there, I don't even have your attention. I wonder how many of you out there haven't heard a word that God's meant for you today. God bless you because you're the farthest away from God. If your mind's on some stupid football game, I love football. I coach football for 20 years. But this is the words of life right here. God bless you. 
you ought to go home and watch the Word of God be preached one more time, like them live stream people are. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5. In, chapter, in verse 12 it says, The Levites which were of the singers, all of them of Asaph. I told you Asaph, this guy who's writing this, who God's using to write this 3,000 years ago so we can read it today and draw something from it. Look in verse 13, though. Well, what are they doing here? They're occupying that temple that Solomon built unto God. They're at the pinnacle, the pinnacle. They're the greatest nation on the face of the earth, and they're just a little old bitty people. In verse 13, it came to pass, as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. I like when the choir is one, amen? And they're not missing notes and stuff. Well, you all be feeling good about yourselves this morning. Man, you like them folks here singing praises to God to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Remember I told you there no idols. The Spirit of God Amen. came into this place. God's blessing. That's what happened that day with Solomon. You go 300 years later with High Hezekiah, there's a building sitting there empty and powerless because they had turned their hearts away from God Almighty. Look at that last verse, verse 14 so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. They couldn't be in there because God was in there. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. It's amazing. All the only way we can have this power is to give our hearts to God. There is no temple. A lot of you have gone over to Israel, and you go to the Temple Mount, there's some... There's some pavers there. There's a wall there, but the temple's gone. But God ain't gone. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says in verse 19, talking about you and me, Now, therefore are ye no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. We're part of the household of God. The day that I trusted Christ, I became part of the family of God. Amen. Next verse is a good verse. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What is that, Pastor? That's right there. We're built on this right here. Love all the singing. Love all the ministries we have throughout the week. All the people we help helping missionaries around the world, all kinds of stuff. But it's all built right here. And it's the hardest thing. I appreciate the amens, amen. But if you don't go home and read it and let it help your life, thank God we're saved, but that's all we are. We're just powerless people walking around with no hope. All the things I've been through in my life, if I just read the Bible a little more, a lot of those things, when I hit those things in my life, I wouldn't have to suffer the way I had to suffer. God bless you if you're smarter than me, young people, in getting this book earlier than I did. 
I'm going to close with this. Look at verse 21 and verse 22. Go home and read it. Thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. Look at what he says. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Know what he's saying? What a dummy I am. Whatever you have been through, whatever you're going through, whatever you're going to go through in the future, you can have the help and the wisdom of God if you want it. He said, I'm like a beast in the field. My grandpa had a farm up in Tennessee, and he had about 100 cows, and he called them cows. I don't know what he called them, but they'd come. When he called them, he put that hay out there, that corn or whatever they're going to. And they would come. God bless him. He had names for them. He had names for them. But he was going to butcher and eat them, I'll tell you. Okay? All right? Amen. He was going to eat them. Amen? But uh, he says, I'm just like an ignorant beast looking for the next meal and not looking into eternity. All the God, all the hope, all the promises he has. God, forgive me for all the times I've doubted him, the times I've been despondent. I didn't have to be. God bless each and every one of you. We deliver here all the time all the facts, why we believe the Bible, why we believe the Bible, why we trust it, why it change can change our life and change this world. But if we're not going to read this book. We're, never, we're not going to get half that we should get in having victory in our lives. God bless you. Father, thank you. For this time together, I thank you for your precious word. Today, I am still amazed by the things that I find in it, dear God. I know one day you're going to hold me accountable as a teacher, as a pastor, for the way I preached and taught this book right here. It is a very serious, serious thing that I do and many others in this church do, putting out the word of God to people, trying to get people to follow you. Dear God, help us to be very careful as we open your word. But dear God, I pray for these people because they are exposed to your truth on a weekly and sometimes a daily basis. And I pray that their hearts would not be hardened to your word. I pray we would look at things in the light of eternity and not all this temporary stuff that's going on down here. Because if we do, we're going to get discouraged. Help us to be faithful, dear God. Help us through the tough times in our lives. We thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, please. I always close and I always pray for folk, and today will be no exception. You at home, you here in the service today, God bless you for being a part of this. Are you here today and you say, Pastor Green, I know truly, like the psalmist says, I truly know that I am trusting Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. But as the word of God was being proclaimed this morning, God, like Asaph, God pricked your heart and spoke to you. And say, Pastor, as we leave this place today, I know I'm saved, but I need your prayers. No one looking around, please, as we close the service. If you'd like me to pray for your brother or sister in Christ, would you lift your hand for a moment? Leave it there for a minute, please, that I can scan the audience. God bless all of you. I see those hands. You can put them down now. It just does my heart good to see the hands raised throughout the auditorium. Thank you so much. You know, just you raising your hand 
and letting me pray for you every week encourages my heart that your hearts are still tender to Christ. Thank you so much. Let me ask one other question before we close the service today, especially you at home and you are here that don't know Christ. Are you here and you say, Pastor Green, I know a lot of stories from the Bible. I've been in church. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you've done a lot of Christian things. But today you realize there's never been a time in your life that you've confessed your sins to God and asked Christ to be your Savior with all your heart. But today you get what salvation is. And today you want to ask Christ to be your Savior and God to be your Father. And you say, Pastor, when you're praying for all these folks, would you remember me? Because I want to trust Jesus today. I want him to forgive me. If you'd like me to pray for you, no one looking around, please. Just lift your hand just for a moment. I'll look through the audience and see if I can see your hand and pray for you. Boy, a lot of hands were raised yesterday at the funeral. Hand over here. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? A hand in the back. I see those hands. God bless you. I'll wait one moment. I don't want to miss anybody. Father, I thank you for your precious word. I thank you that you put up with us for so long. Truly, you're a good God. Dear God, help us to be faithful to you. Help us to study your word as good Christians and your children. Help us to be students of the word and draw strength and wisdom from the word. Yeah, we know a lot, but we can know a lot more about you and the help that you have for us. My heart breaks for when I see Christians go through hard times and, and I don't know what to say because the answers come from the word. Bless them, dear God. Some of them have been in situations for a long, long time. But the answer's there in your word. Help them, dear God. I pray for my brothers and sisters. Whatever they raise their hands for, bless their dear lives. Help them to be patient as much as you are patient with us as you do a work in their lives. And Father, I pray also for those who raise their hands and perhaps some at home who need Christ. I pray right where they're sitting right now, they would confess to you and say, Oh God, I know that I'm a sinner. But God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on a cross in my place and for my sins. And right now with all my heart, I'm asking Jesus to be my Savior. Him and Him alone. Oh dear God, would they pray that prayer with all sincerity from the depths of their heart and receive the forgiveness of sins. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 